Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. Join us for discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain building, campaigns, and events. Welcome. In episode two, we're going to talk about two warbands, the Disciples of Zinch, Arcanites, and Seraphon. From the aesthetics to the tactics, we'll share our thoughts on why you should consider mustering these forces. Welcome to the Warband. My name is Josh, and answering the call with me this week is Pavin. How you doing, Pavin? I'm doing good. I'm back by popular demand. Excellent. That's always a good way to come back. <laughs> yeah, I, Josh, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. We were talking before the show. I think this is our best season yet. So far, so good. I agree. <laughs> we'll have to get Eric in here, definitely, for some cameos. You know he doesn't listen anymore. <laughs> we'll wait and see. I haven't gotten any feedback from him yet, so we'll find out, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's kick this off at the Forge of Mithraxis. All right, this is me. Uh, in the Forge of Mithraxis, we talk about uh, a very easy to pronounce uh, <laughs> section of this show. Um, but we, yeah, we talk about our hobby progress. So, uh, Josh, let's kick it off with you. What do you got on the Forge? So lately, I got some MDF boards to um, prepare for some modular Warcry boards for when Catacombs comes out. I'm excited about it and been looking at some of the pictures of the boards and I was thinking, you know, it would be really interesting to play on this in a three-dimensional state. So I think when it comes out, I will make us a three-dimensional board to play on. And of course, I'll make it modular so it fits in with all the other boards I've working on. And then we can also extend it, expand it into other uh, underground realms, depending on the rule set. So definitely looking forward to doing that and just kind of getting ready. Also, I did create some raised portions for the Halls of Pandemonium. And in anticipation of our Circle of Paint Challenge game from Season 2 with you, Eric, and myself, I am trying to get that painted up this next week so that it will be ready and set to go for the mission I'm putting together for all of us. How about yourself? Well, first, can you paint me an audio picture of what are the raised portions of the Halls of Pandemonium? Because I know the Halls of Pandemonium are, it's a board with five to ten columns on it, right? Or Correct. Or 20 columns on it. It's 20 altogether, yes. 20 columns on it, each in like a kind of a, a, how dice are, are have five on them at all for each quarter, right? So those are columns. Correct. And the raised portions is even higher than that. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So I I do have some pictures, which I can share on our Discord. But essentially, the raised portions I built, they have two two purposes. So one purpose is to set them on top of the columns on the raised, uh, on the Halls of Pandemonium. I would remove the center columns, and then they have very large arches on the side and on the ends, so that you have plenty of room to move your models within. And then, because it's raised, roughly... 11 inches or so, you could place a second Warcry board on top. And then my my plan, my intent, is to have a two-tiered Warcry board, either for playing with four people in a, in a multiplayer game or with two people, but with, you know, kind of like a three-dimensional chess board, you've got a whole different level playing field. So you might have to go from one board to the other, depending on the mission. And I would have teleporter circles or artifacts that let you move from one section to another rapidly so that you don't have to worry about moving from one level to another. The second purpose for the raised boards is to just put them down and then put your Warcry board on top so that it's just kind of closer to you 
easier to to reach and manipulate and it's not quite as low like on the tabletop surface so there's a couple different purposes for it but that's that's the idea but i'll definitely share some pictures all right and and where's where's the discord at well now i gotta go look it up (laughs) (laughs) i think it's the mortalrealms.com.com forward slash discord correct that is correct Okay, well, yeah, I've heard of like uh, five-dimensional chess before, but this sounds like uh, you know ten-dimensional Warcry, which is you know a true intellectual game. Exactly, it's a level up for me. <laughs> we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll leave it all in the in the paint. All right, uh, uh, on to me. What have I been doing hobby-wise since last time we talked? I finished the five spite revenants for my buddy in preparation for his Sylvaneth warband slash army so we could uh, go in on the Catacombs box when it comes out, hopefully sometime in October. So that, that felt good. I didn't base them, but uh, I felt, you know, I painted the, I painted the minis. That's, that's, that's a good help. Yeah. Um, I also finished my Seraphon warband. We're going to talk more about that this episode. Um, I wanted to get it all painted up before our game. Spoiler alert, my games with Josh that we played recently. Uh, specifically, I needed to take the Saurus Guard and Saurus Knight over the finish line. Now, I need to paint some reinforcements, and we'll talk about more about why I need those reinforcements, but I got a couple <laughs> more skinks, uh, a couple, uh, some, three more guard. Uh, I have a skink priest that doesn't have Warcry rules, but I just wanted to paint. It's an old uh, pewter one from back in the day. And I also bought an Orgroid Myrmidon. Uh, I've been eyeing that model for a long time. Um, I got him primed up, ready to go. Just started putting like, a couple coats of paint on him. That is in pre- preparation for joining my Chaos Warband when oh, yeah. uh, when they arrive. The last okay. thing is not something I've done at all, but I'm, I'm entertaining virtual armies on parade this year awesome. uh, and submitting my gits because it's they're all painted. I got a lot of them. I can pl- I can put them on a war cry board and I have all the kind of the gits fill for them to give them a backdrop. So yeah. I'm currently doing some arrangement in my office and seeing if I can get a layout that I enjoy enough to take really uh, try to take high quality pictures of and send to GW. That's awesome. That, yeah, that's it. That's great. No, that'd be a lot of fun. I would love to see that pictures. All well, right. Discord at least. Yeah, there you go. Well, you should definitely submit them in armies on parade. You know, especially if they're doing it virtually. No yeah. reason not to. Well, I've never done it. I've never done it, so it feels like a big step. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. And they're well I'm painted, like, so I think it'd be great. I'm like, do I want to be this like committed to the hobby? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, I can be casual. <laughs> All right. All right. So next, uh, we'll move on to the path to glory. And uh, our path to glory this episode ties in with, you know, the warbands we're discussing this time. So spoiler alert as well. Uh, we are talking about the disciples of Zine Sharkanites and, and Seraphon. And so uh, in the meantime, until Catacombs comes out and Paven and I can start our circle of paint challenge, we decided to go ahead and run a Warcry campaign with uh, these two warbands. So we, we got together this past week and had a socially distanced Warcry, or two Warcry games. And we'll talk a little bit about that for our Path to Glory. And uh, I'll talk about the first game. I'll let Paven talk about the second. But they were a lot of fun, really close games, as the, as Warcry usually is. And I played the Disciples of Zinch, Arcanites. And I, I just played with models that I had from the two... Warhammer Quest game, Silver Tower and Shadows Over Hammer Hall. So um, I had mostly Arcanites in a mixture of, of different uh, Zangors, but none of the Zangors on disc. 
And for the first game, I used my swamp board that I had put together uh, during the course of last season and uh, made a unique scenario where we had a soul stone in the center of the board and skeletons were popping up every round, D6 skeletons. The water was dangerous and slowed us down and could kill skeletons to get a bonus on our uh, ritual rolls. So we used the ritual rules where both of us rolled every turn. You know, and then whoever had the most at the end of five turns was going to win the game. Or four turns, rather. So it was really fun, really close game. I, I got to say, there was I got really lucky in the last round, and five of the skeletons I activated, or actually one Paven activated, and I ended up getting to be able to control it, killed three of his models. And then it, it gave me just enough to have more models on the objective that my dice roll pulled me out by one more point, and I won that first game. But... It was a great game. We had a lot of back and forth moments, uh, attacking skeletons, attacking each other. It was a blast. I had a really good time. Unfortunately, unfortunately some of the end game roles were pretty painful. We had a lot of injuries across the board, but <laughs> and again a death yeah. or two, I think. <laughs> but but it was a great game. Yeah. What did you think of the second game and the first game, Paven? Uh, the first game was really fun. It was also cool because I don't, I hadn't played against the Arcanites before. I don't know if you'd played against the Seraphon before, but we were definitely like feeling out each other's warbands, like who was dangerous, like who could you ignore, who do you have to jam, who do you have to be like careful of. So that was fun to like get up that learning curve together. Um, and it was a very, it was a cool and unique scenario. And it was, I like the cin- cinematography of it at the end where. You know, we're kind of trying to seal the this rift to Shayesh um, that is spawning all these skeletons. And at the end of the game, there are like more skeletons than other warband fighters. So it was <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know how successful we were, um, <laughs> but it was certainly a, a very bloody game and very fun. And uh, yeah, I got, yeah, my, a lot of skinks got murked that game. Yeah, right. I know. Um, but, uh, yeah, we talked about game two was, well, we drew the ritual card first and then we're like, no, 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 not again. Um, so we put that one back and we played purge where you have an attacker defender and you have four table quarters and the defender secretly picks one of the table quarters and they have to, at the end of the game, at the end of the third round, the defender wins if there's no opposing warband fighters in that quarter. Yeah, and the attacker wins that, if they are in that fort. If they were, if they have any fighters in that in that quarter. Just, just at the end uh, of round. to add to this, for all of the yeah. the previous listeners, Eric and his his poor warband had this final convergence battle and took him so long to succeed. Yeah. So we were a little concerned when we drew this card. <laughs> yeah, it took like it took like a season and a half. Yeah, um, it, did, but, it did. But he got there. He got there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I uh, I think you won the roll off, so you you chose to be the attacker, which I think I is did. smart. But thankfully, the deployment was such that it gave me, you know, all of your guys were coming on in the same quarter, so I could kind of pick the opposite quarter and have a way of defending it. Um, and that was also a good game. I was able to come out with the win there, but um, and I got I, I think I was rolling a little hot, and I was able to jam you in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was able to, one guy you got in there in round three and I had to like skink you down with like four different skinks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Although maybe a guard, but he was a temple guard with a, um, what is he? He had a broken, he was blinded in one eye. So he wasn't, he wasn't at full strength from the previous game. 
but yeah, yeah, uh, two great, two great games. Great to play it. Uh, Kevin said that. Uh, thanks so much for having me over, and thank you for your precautions and keeping it safe. It was a really nice setup. We were outside. It was a brisk fall day. We had a uh, kind of we we were wearing masks. We had like a good way to social distance from each other when we could, and when we couldn't, we were you know masking up, of course. So those were you know a good afternoon for sure. Um, I want to, you know, because this is our path to glory. It's not just about the games we played, but like kind of the journeys our uh, warbands are going on. Can you give me a little bit more background about your Arcanites? Maybe the emergent story with them? Like what's Definitely. gone with those guys? Definitely. Yeah. So I have kind of the interim warband. I have unfortunately not spent a lot of detail on names yet for individual models. However, they are called the Illuminated Ones, and their purpose is to seek out forbidden knowledge, of course, and artifacts in the eight points, and also from the other warbands there, to gain favor with Zinch and eventually Archeon. So that is their goal. Of course, their quest is to help, uh, you know, one of the lost followers or the last descendants of Davenok, and then uh, we don't want to spoil the particular quest, but manipulate his destiny, so to speak. But overall, their their goal is to seek out knowledge and power and then gain favor. How about yourself? Okay. Well, I rolled on the name generation table for all my guys, uh, nice. as, as I do. And uh, nice my warband is led by Maktor, uh, my Saurus Guard Alpha. And I won't read all their names. Uh, maybe as they do cool stuff, I will. But uh, yeah, they all they all have uh, funny lizardman names. I don't have quite have a warband name. I imagine they don't call themselves anything because their backstory is they are the last surviving kind of refugees, so to speak, from a ruined Seraphon temple that had been sitting in the eight points for, you know, thousands of years and was lost during the Age of Chaos and, like, the battles that happened in the eight points. And so they're the few lizardmen that are left that are hiding out in the jungle. And they're very feral and they're very controlled by instinct and they're just kind of hunting chaos. And they're, they don't have a larger plan in mind besides just like kind of brutal vengeance in a very kind of animalistic way. And so in a lot of ways, they're like any other war band in the eight points, just kind of like on a never ending path of, of violence. Uh, but, uh, you know, they don't have any kind of light at the end of the tunnel where they become Varengard or anything. They're just, you know, they are grinding it out. So uh, they don't have a name yet. I'm trying to think of like, are they like the demons of the blood marsh or, or something? But I, I haven't quite landed on something that that really rings true to me or uh, right. core to their fantasy. Sure. I do... I think they're, you know, they're, they're two games on their quest. I want to give a quick quest update, but I do want to talk about how brutal these games have been. <laughs> I have I've lost three fighters dead in two games, and I've taken three injuries, two of which were permanent. So that's kind of why I'm painting up new and more models, because one, I think it's fun to like just remove the miniature from your warband when it dies. But that does mean I have to paint up three more, at least three more guys to uh, to grow my warband. And I was able to dominate another territory, so the warband is growing anyway. But uh, yeah, pour some out for <laughs> the three skinks. Octili, the uh, skink with club, uh, Huaneezy, the skink with bold pipe, Ikita Kachaha, <laughs> another skink with blowpipe. No, they they didn't. They you know they died in the in the eight points like many of their kin. So I guess since we're talking about the path, do you have some ideas on what you want to add with your fifty additional points after dominating a territory? Yeah, I well I'm replacing my losses and I'm gonna I think I'm gonna switch out a skink with blowpipe for another Saurus guard because mm, um, nice. those guys were doing some good work. Yeah, um, I like the two inch reach and I like the two four damage profile. Yeah, um, no, they were nice. Those, 
yeah, you know, I was worried they were a little too slow, but they are. I, sometimes I think, you know, we'll talk about this when we go in the Warband Deep Vibes, mm-hmm. but I felt like only a few of my models could really reliably do damage. And those models were my my leader, who is was a hoss, and then the other Saurus guard, which uh, kind of could be backup hoss. Yeah, definitely. My warband was uh, 920 points because I, I couldn't, you know, the models are too expensive to add that other 80 points. Oh, so boy. I'm still, yeah, I know. So I'm still trying to figure out, okay, what can I add with that additional 50 points? So I add some more of these models. I've been toying with the idea of the Mind Stealer Spheranx, but he's 240 points. So I'd have to drop Ooh. something else to include that model. But I do have an, an Orgroid Thaumaturge, which could be fun to, you know, face well, off against his brother eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's, I really like that model. Yeah. Cool one for sure. Do we want to jump into the Visions of Madness? Indeed, that would be insane. Uh, what is filling my vision with madness is my anticipation for the new box set Catacombs, Warcry Catacombs. I don't have any new information than what they've already uh, talked about before and what we've already talked about in the show before. Josh, have you heard any rumors? No, and I even scoured the web far and wide today, and there's no additional information. Not not on the book, which which I think would come out at the same time, or on the box set. So unfortunately, we'll have to wait and uh, see if it comes up for pre-order this next weekend or not. But yeah, in the meantime, we'll keep keep hoping it'll come out soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, so if you're listening to this show, you'll you may know. I guess because we are recording, we are recording this the week of October seventh. So we could hopefully it's next weekend, and then we can all get pumped. But maybe not. Yep, exactly. So in the meantime, we'll talk about what we're working on in our Circle of Paint challenge. Obviously, we don't have any war bands yet, and we don't have the rules for catacombs. But Paven, have you been doing anything in the meantime to kind of prepare for that? Well, I have. I talked about that I purchased and have started working on my Ogroid Myrmidon. And I'll, I'll figure out how to pronounce that second part of the name. Maybe after the show, we can correct it later. No, I think that's uh, right. Think that's yeah, right. yeah. I've been so I'm, I'm working on there. I'm gonna I'm gonna use it as an opportunity to kind of refine the scheme. I do want to continue on with my Varengard scheme, which uses whites and golds and purples. I want my bad guys to be have a good guy scheme. I think that is can be fun. Although I, I haven't landed on like kind of the perfect combination is like, how bright do I want the white? Do I want it kind of faded or battle damaged? So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to kind of work on that and feel like really good about about the, the, the kind, of, kind of color combinations I'll have going for them. But it, other than that, I don't have any necessarily any plans. I do want to eventually collect a Slaves to Darkness force. So an expansion on the Signs of the Flame will be that start collecting box, although I don't. I can't use any of those miniatures in the Signs of the Flame Warband, but maybe the bits will be helpful and it'll be part of a large, a larger collection. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Josh? Are you where you're planning? Where's your dream board at? <laughs> yeah, no, like I said, I, I've got got the MDF boards ready. Been looking at pictures, but yeah, I need, I need actual measurements on the images for walls and doors and things like that to actually start on the terrain. So just waiting on that. Although when we were talking this last weekend, you know, one thing that came to mind is I could use the Mistweaver Saul miniature from Silver Tower, which is supposed to be from Olgood, maybe as a shadowy type theme, though we don't know a whole lot about the Canite. Shadowstalkers. Maybe this model I could use as a 
a palette to test the paint scheme. So I might start working on that in the meantime because uh, you know it's similar in theme. It's got very flowy robes, kind of the the blank face mask sort of thing. So that it might be a great model to practice with. So I'm looking forward to that. Be the first order warband I play, and so I don't know if I have any allies or monsters that I could use for that. So that's one other thing. I'll have to check my collection to kind of plan in advance, you know, what allies might I be able to incorporate, you know, and if I need to pick up some big monsters to add some fun or not. But yeah, looking forward yeah, to I it. Think, I think those Silver Tower models are, are a great kind of fit for adding to the Knight Shadowstalkers. It's also would be great if they got regular Warcry rules. Um, yes. Those, they have been pretty homeless since they were released in Silver Tower. Like, they don't have any, like, faction keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, I think besides the Order keyword. Um, so it would be nice to, like, kind of give them a, a place in Warcry where they would have, you know, they could take be taken uh, as an ally for Order Warbands. Yeah, no, I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right, so at this point, we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back with our victory condition and and do a deep dive into these warbands. Season 3 is here, and we're excited to bring you more Dogs of Warcry. We'll be discussing new warbands, the upcoming starter box Catacombs, our ongoing games and narrative play, and keeping you up to date on our Circle of Paint Challenge. Thank you for the encouragement, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Dogs of Warcry. Please share your ideas and feedback with us as we travel the eight points together. Our victory condition this episode is to bring focus to two more warbands, the Disciples of Zinch, Arcanites, and Seraphon. We're going to focus on a lot of aspects of these warbands from their feelings of their narrative, the aesthetic, the various fighters available, and how you play on the battlefield. Our hope is that you see why we love these warbands and why you should consider giving them a try. Now I'm going to start off by interviewing you, Josh, about your Arcanites and why you like to play them. I'm going to throw my two cents in, and then we're going to switch it up, and then you can uh, ask me about the Seraphon. We're going to try a new format here. Perfect. Um, So first, I want to ask you about, like, the first appearance of this faction, either in Age of Sigmar and or Warcry, and what your impressions were. Definitely. So I first saw them as as part of Age of Sigmar, and uh, in particular, I had gotten the Shadows Over Hammer Hall Warhammer Quest box and uh, it played that with uh, some family and friends, and it was a lot of fun. And I eventually, eventually got the Silver Tower box set and used the Zinch Arcanite uh, Warband in the Age of Sigmar skirmish game at uh, Gamehole Con in town. It was a lot of fun. So I had always been drawn to the, the Zangors and the Arcanites themselves are really interesting models. I like the fact that uh, the Zangors are a result of some mutating spells that change people into these Zinch Beastmen. The Arcanites themselves are hilarious because they're these really buff figures with these masks and they got some really neat shields but they're essentially illusions of the people that are the cultist worshippers so you know they, they could be older uh, overweight gentlemen they could be really skinny women or you know it doesn't matter what they look like but their illusion is these really buff generic looking cultists and I, I think that's absolutely hilarious the image appealed to me quite a bit when i first saw them there's a great mix of models yeah, I'm a big fan of Zinch. I think it's my favorite of the four gods, and so I really like this faction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about what's your favorite model in the line? I like the basic Arcanite cultists, again, just because they have these kind of 
bird beaky helmets. The shields and the weapons look really neat. They they kind of have this Aztec Mayan flair, much like the Seraphon do, which I think think is a really nice touch. But uh, I think my favorite model is the Zangor mutant, and he's kind of got this split head that's yelling in two different directions, and it looks fairly gruesome. But it's it's perfect for you know the, the god of change, and I think it's a really great model to have. It just you know whether it's effective or not, it's just a really cool looking model. So I had to have one in my warband. Yeah, I am also a big fan of the Carrick Acolytes. These guys, mm-hmm. I well, one, they're great uh, bit uh, bits to use. They have a really good build, like a good 300 rip, Ripley dude build. I've seen some really cool stuff about converting them with into like any other faction because uh, yeah. they have a really good generic kind of fighter. But also, I think they got really cool uh, bits and poses. I think my favorite out of this box is the one holding the big scroll. Yeah. Uh, I think that one is uh, really dope, and you used him to great effect against me in our games, but we'll talk about that <laughs> later. Uh, but yeah, I like I like that one. He's just like, oh, I'm going to hit you with the good magic. Right, exactly. Yeah. Got a powerful spell right here. Tell me about what motivates the Arcanite. So I think, uh, you know, like true for any Zinchian warband, uh, Zinch is associated with knowledge, magic, fate. You know, uh, I think a lot of the different the, the lore throughout Age of Sigmar is that you know people sometimes fall into worshiping Zinch because they hunger for knowledge or they want to be more powerful magic or they want to improve their situation. And so some people know they're being manipulated by Zinch and some don't. And so I think in particular the thirst for knowledge and power is what drives a lot of these warbands to worship Zinch or you know especially the Arcanites to fight against order to improve their situation and gain favor. Okay. The next thing I want to ask about is what if if somebody wants to know more about Zinch and Zinch and Age of Sigmar, what kind of things are available for them to look at? I think the first place, uh, the Battle Tome for Zinch, is has got a lot of really interesting information. You could really dive deeply into the different factions and come up with some wonderful backgrounds for your warband. Uh, there are also several books that I've read that, um, again, added a lot of flavor for me and enriched the uh, this particular warband in my mind. City of Secrets is a great book that talks about uh, a Zinch uprising in a, in a city of order. And the follow-up book, Callus and Toll, the Silver Shard, both books by Nick Horth, have a lot of Zinch cultists in them, and spe- in particular Arcanites. Really good reads. Also, uh, as you may know, I play Cahadran Overlords, and the Overlords of the Iron Dragon feature the, the Cahadran Overlords fighting against Zinch, because uh, there's a whole bunch of them in Shaman. So all of those books are really good reads and give you a lot of flavor into what Zinch cultists could be like. Did you mention, sorry, I might have missed it. Did you mention Hammerhall? The City of Secrets, actually, no, that takes place in Excelsis. So, yeah, I did not mention Hammerhall. Hammerhall Shadows over Hammerhall, Warhammer Quest game, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, Hammerhall and other stories is a collection, but the first story in Hammerhall involves a Zinchian cult trying to infiltrate Hammerhall Gyra. So, I, that's a good one. Nice. Yes. One, one of the books I've read. Um, <laughs> Okay, next we're going to switch a little bit into, so that's kind of the primer here. Let's let's talk about the gameplay, how they play. And I want to talk about a few of their abilities, maybe not everyone, but get, give me a few abilities that feel very thematic, very strong, very fun. Give me your faves. Definitely. A lot of the abilities, as it's true for other warbands, focus specifically on certain types of models. For you know, example, the mutant has an ability that he can use. There's a an Arcanite with... A, a bird called the Vol Shark, 
which can use that to stop models from disengaging, which I could use to good effect to prevent Paven's uh, skinks from disengaging from combat. And, you know, and there are others that are, are only used by the Skyfire or, or more generic. So the, the most generic double that everybody can use, you can use a double to get plus one attack and strength to the next attack action made by a fighter for attacks range, three inches or less. I haven't used that to a whole lot of effect because I usually find it better to just give myself an extra attack in combat with the double. So a lot of the abilities are kind of situational for this particular warband, and I end up using generic abilities more often but i can see situations for example the um the volhark where i can stop people from disengaging uh, that can be quite uh, important in certain tactical situations and in most cases i'd probably use the generic abilities for for my triples and, and quads i like i don't know if these are uh, dominant abilities but i like they have two moves here called guided by the past and guided by the future and they kind mm-hmm. of play off each other because uh, a big theme in zinch is prediction and knowing like what has happened in the strands of fate and history and so guided by the past gives you bonus damage if you are going to attack and activate a fighter that's already activated and then guided by the future gives you the same damage points but it has to target a fighter that has not yet activated yeah Um, definitely so i think hard to land but uh, still very cool and i like very thematic yeah yeah, yeah, and the one between that is Master of Destiny. So yeah, definitely very well-named uh, abilities in terms of fitting with the Zinch theme. All right. Okay, what, what kind of leaders do you have available to you for Zinch Arcanites? Yeah, so uh, the one nice thing about the Warband is it has it has quite a few choices. So it has 16 cards altogether, and five of them are leaders. You can go with an Karak Acolyte, the Arcanite a leader, and he has a glaive and a shield, so he's He's got a decent toughness and a two-inch reach. He's, he's fairly reliable, which is nice. And then the rest of the choices for leaders are Zangor. So you can go Zangor Enlightened on disc or on foot, with a Zangor with a sword and a shield, or a Zangor Skyfire. Most of the Zangor solutions are, you know, especially the ones on disc, are quite powerful. Really expensive, but they have a lot of attacks. Uh, they often have really good ranged attacks. They're, again, really expensive. So I went with the Arcanite with Glaive and Shield myself. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose that one? Again, it was mainly based on availability. So I was, what you had. Yeah, exactly. I was testing yeah. out this warband with my stepson, and I was like, oh, I've got these models. This is what I'll try. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah, I, I'm checking out the cards. And yeah, those Zangor on disc remind me a lot of my Squig Hoppers, which I'm big fans of, which I feel are very strong. And these yeah. are very, very similar profiles to them. Yeah, yeah, especially the Skyfires are, are super, super nasty. Yeah, the leader... Oh, like the, the Skyfires, are, for, for our listeners, are the ones with the bows. Uh, the Enlightened enlightened on disc have axes and pole arms, and the mm-hmm. Skyfires on disc have bows. And you like yep. the bow ones you, you, you like better? So for the non-leader Skyfires, mm-hmm. 235 points. But it has 20 wounds, uh, movement of 10, which is nice, toughness 4. But it has two ranged attacks, you know, between three and twenty, you know, inches, strength four, two five, two five damage, which is great. But it also, if you get up close, the disc has four attacks at strength four for two four damage. So you know, you've got great long range and you got great up close damage potential. So it's kind of a good all rounder, but you definitely need to plan around it. Yeah, that that I didn't I didn't realize how strong their melee was still. Um, yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, 10 movement isn't just good. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's flying, awesome. too. Exactly. Yeah, those guys are good. You should get some. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how long Catacombs takes, I might have to. Okay, let's talk about other fighters. So we've already started to talk about the Enlightened. Any others you want to call out? They do have lots that I'm, I'm looking at. 
14 cards here. Is that right? Might be 11 different mm-hmm. uh, individual fighter cards. Uh, so, yeah, they do have a lot of choices, which is nice. So you can you can go with a, a Zangor heavy theme, or you can go with an, a, a human Arcanite theme. You have a, quite a few choices. You've got Zangor with a sword and a shield. You've got Zangor with two-handed weapons. You've got a Zangor mutants. You've got the Zangor with two-hand weapons. And then you've got a wide variety of Arcanites. You've got the leader. You have the one with the Volhark, the bird. The one with the scroll that Pavit mentioned, which has a really good long-range attack. And then you've got Tarek Acolyte with a glaive and a shield, or the one with a sword and a shield for you know your cheap filler unit. And then, of course, the Zangor champion, which has got a two-handed weapon, and, and he's he's really good as well. Or it's really good, you know, male or female, who knows. But yeah, so you do have quite a bit of potential uh, to mix and match. Points varieties are, are pretty good, so it's it's. You know, I think the cheapest one is maybe 75 points, 70 points. You know, so you can kind of squeeze extra stuff in there. I just didn't have the right models to get my extra 80 points in to get yeah. to 1,000. So, yeah. but, you're not you're not min-maxing me yet, I guess. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Uh, but it is nice because they do have a good variety of movement speeds as well as points and abilities, ranged attacks, close combat, which we'll get into a little bit. Yeah, and uh, one thing you didn't mention, I don't know if you're planning on it, but one thing that surprised me when we were playing is all of the acolytes, so the human models, have a ranged attack built in. Uh, yes. So it's three to ten inches, two attacks, one three damage, which is pretty good. And you definitely were doing a lot of a lot of sniping and maybe like close the distance on like suboptimally with some of my fighters. Yeah. And yeah, then I don't, and I want to read that scroll profile real quick. So this is like giving you the good magic we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so same range, minimum three, maximum ten, but it's four attacks. Strength four, twos and fours. So like, oh boy, that's a yeah. that that guy. That guy I've learned the hard way. I just got to jam him. Yeah, because uh, in close combat he is not good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he's definitely stays back, but yeah, he's got really potent range attacks. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about give me give me the rundown on strengths, weaknesses, tactics. I think the the Swarman has a good variety of models, so you can definitely go with really fast models with with anything on a disc, you know, potent range, potent close combat attacks, but you can also rely more on foot, you know, and you still have good speed of, you know, movement four with the basic human acolytes or movement five with the Zangors. All the Zangors have 15 wounds or more, so they're really good soaking up damage if you need to. You've got a decent number of attacks. Most of them are strength three, except for the, you know, the two-handed weapons or the champion, but they add a little bit more than the human acolytes necessarily have. But as Paven mentioned, all the human acolytes have a ranged attack in addition to their melee. So you, they're tactically, it's very flexible where I can sit back and say, okay, I'm just going to do a couple of pinks of these ranged attacks in here maybe i'll get lucky but if i'm up close okay they can still do something i don't have to disengage to be effective so i think it's a really good well-rounded warband and i haven't had a chance to try those expensive models on discs yet but maybe in the future potentially we'll see i do think you know some of their weaknesses are that the the models on disc are very expensive they you know minimum 200 points but up to 280 points for the the skyfire leader a model and a lot of the Arcanites and Zangors do have strength three attacks or toughness three and or both, so they can go down rapid. Um, again, depending on the you know what you take and mix and match, the points are low enough that you can kind of pad the ranks a little bit to help grab objectives, but also to take up, soak up damage with the Zangors or you know lose a few models that are Arcanites. It's not a big deal. You can sacrifice them to achieve objectives, and you're still okay. 
overall, they do have the, a good balance of strengths and weaknesses, I think. Again, I, I tend to rely more on the generic abilities, but they do have some unique flavor in the abilities, which I, can be quite powerful situation. Yeah, that was my experience playing against them. I'm still trying to figure out like how to be good against against your warband, but I think uh, one is that they generally don't their abilities aren't very good or very they're very situational. Often you're I saw you using the generics and that makes sense reading what the abilities were. Another thing, and I don't know how how to categorize this maybe a weakness, but it seems like a lot of the fighters, while good in certain situations, are very bad in other situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the scroll guy, very strong at range, but as soon as he's jammed up, he's really suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, like he can't he can't fight his way out to kill that fighter. You know, he's pretty soft. So and yeah, it, you don't have too many close combat powerhouses. I think there was only like one fighter I was really worried about, which might have been the mutant or the champion. But he, yeah, he the, could do work. And then everybody else was kind of like pinging my guys down. If they, yeah, they yeah, down. yeah. Most of the, the ones on disc or even the enlightened on foot is pretty beefy. So the Zangor champ is is the hard hitter in my particular warband. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next up, is, have you, have you, sorry, Josh, have you already talked about on the battlefield? All that? I, I guess I did already kind of cover all okay. that. Yes. <laughs> okay. We are going to switch into more of a narrative take. So this is like how the war band makes us feel or what, what kind of uh, themes we want to explore. So first, uh, let's talk about your personal take with this war band. Or maybe what you're thinking about different directions you could take. Definitely. So, I, you know, based on the books that I read and the and the stories and the lore of the uh, Karak Acolytes, I, I kind of went with a more human-heavy warband based currently on the models I had. But also because, you know, most of the books had more human cultists in them, you know, being, you know, playing Cypher Lords and having a Zinch taint already. I thought having some more human cultists would be a lot more fun. But adding the Zangors in there for a bit more flavor in terms of, you know, those humans who had been blessed by Zinch or perhaps the curse by Zinch and turned into Zangoras were also there to help the, the, the cult out. So again, my, my personal take is that the illuminated ones are in the eight points searching for knowledge and power to you know gain favor for Archeon and also Zinch, of course, and then manipulate the fate of the other warbands that they come across. Cool. Very cool. Now, what other ways could our, would you or our listeners, could you take this war ban from a narrative or even a modeling opportunity perspective? Like, what, what, are, your, what are your crazy ideas for, for Zinch Arcanite? I don't have, you know, surprisingly, no wild, crazy uh, change-based ideas for the, for the Arcanites yet. I think you could definitely theme your warband to be more human or more Zangor. So you could be a Zangor warband that's completely set on adding more points of tainted magic in the, in the eight points and gaining power for Zinch. Or you could be a more human warband that's maybe escaped from one of the cities of order, and now you're in the eight points to show that your your true potential and 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 work for Archeon. So I definitely think there's a lot of potential for stories. You know, it, depending on which whether you go heavy with one or the other. Uh, one of the other things I think is really interesting about Zinch, and again, I think like Baven said, I think he's my favorite Chaos God. Is is that a lot of mortals will kind of lean towards Zinch or fall into worshiping Zinch. Because they they desire knowledge so much, or they want they're seeking for information so much. So there's a lot of stories in the AOS literature of mages or other people who are thirsting for knowledge, and they decide, okay, I'm going to make this bargain because I really got to know. And so you could definitely have a warband based around a group of maybe scholars from one of the cities of order, 
and they delve too deeply and now they they know too much and they bargained with Zinch and now they've got to leave and so now they're in the eight points so i think you could kind of convert some models to be to look more like cities of sigmar types of models but they're you know Zinch arcanites and that, that would be really interesting and of course you know the cypher lords are based in the realm of light and and they're in noxied and they have a slight lean towards Zinch. So you could also kind of say, oh, perhaps these are cults that are within Noxied. You could tie in some Cypher Lords lore, or perhaps they're, you know, escaping because they're being persecuted and that sort of things. So I think there's a lot of fun potential there. And, and one of the really interesting things about the, the Carrick Acolyte models is one of our members in the Discord channel, Darth Alec, has a really great uh, slaves to darkness army with themes for every chaos god and in particular he kitbashed chaos marauders and some Carrick alkalites together to make zinch flavored chaos marauders and they looked spectacular so that's that's one thing i had really considered doing to make more of a primal feeling zinch warband that's definitely on my list of eventually do but i haven't gotten there yet all right and yeah, i don't I got a couple ideas, but I don't think I have any uh, home runs, but I'm just going to throw a couple of them are based on ideas you brought up. I really like city infiltrators. So if you could tie them tightly to a cities of Sigmar, either give them the heraldry or the colors to say like, oh, this Zinch uh, Cabal is from the Tempest Eye. And they're like on a mission in the eight points to, I don't know, meet with their demonic master before returning, you know, or like finding a, you know, a gross pink horror egg that will replicate within the city itself. <laughs> Something like that. Right. Um, and, you know, using that as a modeling opportunity to show their, you know, that they're really dug into this civilization. Another one, and I think this is also similar to uh, kind of what you're saying, like kind of tying them more closely to a Warcry Warband. And kind of the Warcry Warbands, you know, the original released ones, the, the six, uh, plus, uh, I guess, one more, are like not as far along the... Uh, path to glory as like kind of the mainline age of sigmar armies zinch you know the zinch cultists like know who zinch is and they and they worship him and they and they like are already like mutating and stuff and while the warcry warbands are just a little bit more in the dark they're a fallen civilization but they don't they're not all the way in and it would be cool to convert a disciples warband that had previously been a kind of other warcry warband and it's just gotten further along the path yeah. Uh, they like, oh, they've realized who Zinch is and they're starting to get blasted. Maybe they don't realize, but they've just been going that way anyway as they accrue magical power. So you can use those those cipher lord bits, but like add the the kit bash it with the alkalite kit so that you know your luminate is holding the big scroll because now it's magically pumped up. Or you know, they're starting to get those kind of the where they're wearing the they've changed their masks, so they're wearing weirder masks, so they've become more avian. Another idea I just had was for the Corvus Cabal, they could be like going towards the gatherer but the gatherer is actually zinch and he's got a lot of bird themes and so it's a corvus cabal that is turned into beastmen right like they've gone so far <laughs> that they've just become full bird beast people and that could be cool too yeah that'd be really cool yeah and, and use them as angors yeah that'd be awesome and my last my last idea isn't really a full-fledged like war band but it would be cool to do like in 40k <laughs> i have to go back a little bit in 40k you see a lot of like tau stealth suits in mid D stealth painted that way where there's a sharp line between their camo look and then they're like futuristic robot patterns. Um, mm -hmm. So they're like, it's a really, if you do a really sharp, like kind of blue line, it looks like they're like D stealthing in the moment or, or re stealthing, but either way, you know, it's a, it's a really cool effect. 
it'd be cool to explore that with the acolytes as well like as they're you know throwing off their hoods and they're turning into these these buff buff dudes right so i don't i don't know how you do that like halfway through they're like oh it's us and we're jacked you know all along i think that would be that'd be cool to model uh, it would be cool to model yeah I agree. Um, but that's it. That's all, those are the ide- ideas I got for uh, Disciples of Zinch. Mm-hmm. Are camping. Oh, those are cool. I, man, sometimes GW is just like full, just nonsense words all the way through. <laughs> this one actually isn't as bad, but it's hard to keep <laughs> Moving on, we got to keep this train rolling. Uh, tell me about what allies they can take and pick out some ones that are especially thematic or cool or have good interactions. Tell me about your favorite. Okay. So in terms of allies, um, obviously, since they're a Chaos Warband, they can take any of the Chaos-aligned uh, um, allies. Uh, there are quite a few Zinch allies in the um, original Monsters and Mercenaries book, including the Zangor Shaman, the Magister, Ogroy Thaumaturge, the Gaunt Summoner on foot and on disc, and of course, the Zangor Shaman on disc. All of them, I think, add to the flavor, since they all add magical ranged attacks or disc attacks and movements, depending on what you have in your Warband, you, they may be redundant. Again, you know, as you mentioned, the the Ogroid Thaumaturge is such an awesome looking model. And I know some people have said it's not very effective in Warcry. The model is spectacular, and I would definitely like to try it out at some point. So I think I, I would eventually move towards the Mindstealer Spheranx, which is one of the newer allies that I have not tried yet, or the Ogroid Thaumaturge, and, and try those out with my Warband. What is a Thaumaturge? It's kind of like a magic user. So, okay. but it's, um, if I remember correctly, it's more like using magic from yourself, like your essence, as opposed to like drawing it from the ether or something. But that, I have to look up the definition again. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, all, I think I've already been on record saying I love that model and adding it is cool. And uh, the Mind Stealer Spherinx, I think, is another like slam dunk. Like you don't need to justify that one. That's like, yeah, they, it, that, cool. that crazy thing would be hanging out with Zinch for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and in terms of the the monsters, you know, again, the chaos aligns. So any of the the current monsters of that would would work for that. Then you know, I have the the chimera, which would be a great addition for a monster. Yeah. Okay, I think that wraps us up. Any last words you want to say about the Arcanites? Uh, no, no, I've just been enjoying them because they are diverse and, and quite different from uh, some of the thing I've done. Some of the war bands I've played before, but eventually, you know, getting some some of those Zangors on disc would be a lot of fun and add a little bit more tactical uh, flexibility, I think. But yeah, how about yourself? Any other thoughts? No, I, I, I already used my best thoughts. <laughs> Perfect. All right, then. Now we'll jump into the second part of our uh, victory condition, and we'll talk about the Seraphon. And Pavin will share his thoughts and ideas with us. So, Paven, what were your first impressions uh, about the Seraphon warbands? And, you know, what do you think about their aesthetics and their character? Let us know. Uh, okay, I'll give you the high level. Well, so I've been playing with these, with my lizard toys uh, for a very long time. I got into them with the, I don't know what edition of Warhammer Fantasy Battles where they came in the starter set against Bretonians. Yeah. You know, I have some of those models in that in this warband. I think actually just one, just one of the old Saurus warriors. So I've always been really digging their kind of um, their fierce reptile aesthetic. I also really like that they were good guys. They were like, you know, standing against chaos. Fast forward a bit. I didn't love the initial reimagining of Seraphon as kind of memories or kind of beings of celestial magic. It didn't feel didn't have the same kind of grit that I appreciated in that war band. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really excited about kind of the refresh and the 
the last battle tome that came out where they really put some meat on those bones, literally, uh, both by fleshing out their history and how they work and how they are kind of either beings of pure as a right magic that kind of come down from their temple ships or they're more in the dirt flesh and bone predators that have like that are, that are stuck in the realms and there's kind of room for both so that reignited my excitement about the seraphon yeah um, it got me digging out that old box from the attic and now i'm slowly uh, painting my way through it it's going to be kind of a long-term project i think and i know i'm really <laughs> getting kind of off focus here but i really like the opportunity to resurrect a really old set of models i have and like bring it into the Age of Sigmar. And Warcry, is a, it was a great stepping off point so I could do that with that collection and actually play games with it before, you know, painting up a thousand points of Age of Sigmar mini. Definitely. No, no, I agree. And uh, yeah, one of the appeals I've always had is, you know, they have this great, you know, South American, as you know, Aztec, Incan, Mayan, you know, culture feel to them, you know, and like you said, dinos, you know, the reptilian aspect, fighting chaos, being descendants or the people who are watching out for the Warhammer world for the Slan and, and for the old ones is always a really interesting background. So it's, it's neat to see them in AOS. And I agree that their initial flavor was disappointing, you know, but uh, I think that with the Battle Tome, they flushed it out a whole lot with the Coalesce versus the Starborn, you know, made it a lot more interesting and brought that unique flavor back to the line. So really yeah, good to see they, them in Warcry. Yeah, they fixed it. Yeah, they yeah. fixed it. So it's great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Uh, exactly. And, exactly. And, and, you know, we are getting new miniatures, something that like kind of is the next level is like, you know, main studio support. We are getting new miniatures in the announced Underworld Warband as part of season four of Warhammer Underworlds. Right. Um, So there will be a Seraphon Warband in that, and I can't wait to include that in my Warcry collection. Yeah, that'll be a really good model, I'm sure. Very dynamic. Yeah, well, they've already showed us the Chameleon Skank. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Excellent. So can you tell us what your favorite models from the line? So my favorite models from the line right now are the Saurus Guard. I think they are kind of one of the new, the newest kits you can kits you can use. Um, and I really, I think they've held up really well, even though they are still, you know, uh, maybe a decade old. They ha- they hold up really well. They got a nice good bulk to them. They got a good. They're themed like big beefy reptile warriors wearing dinosaur bones. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Yeah, that's that's my fave. My I think my favorite are the Temple Guard just because they have the really cool helmets and they you know they get the halberds and they they look like they're enlightened warriors of the you know Saurus priests you know so they really neat looking models. Yeah, I I want if I, I'm slowly painting my way up to a thousand points and I think the core of it is going to be a block of twenty Saurus Guard because I'm just oh uh, nice I like them that much. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably not good. I don't think I'm going to put a slant in the list, so they're not going to have anything to guard. But you know, <laughs> the, you know, the best defense is a good offense, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, they'll be they'll definitely be a good anvil. All right. So, what drives this warband? You know, what are their ideals? Share that with us. So the Seraphon specifically the warband is the same kind of thing that drives the army they are diametrically opposed to chaos and everything it stands for and want to rid it 
purge it from the realms like violently. And so this can kind of manifest in a few ways. So they could just be taking the fight to chaos, which they do frequently. It's kind of one of the things my warband and I mentioned many Seraphon warbands in the eight points would be doing just like fighting chaos. But they also kind of uh, have more ulterior motives, including like realigning ley lines that are arcane fonts of power within the mortal realms and like making sure those things are all lined up with the celestial bodies and clearing them and uh, detainting them. So their quest out of the book is they need to go to a device found in the eight points called the Cosmic Pylon, and they need to, you know, kind of get all the chaos out from under it and uh, I think, like, secure it in a way that still fulfills the Old One's plans. And I want to talk a little about the Old One's plans. The Old One's predate the Mortal Realms. They kind of predate the old Warhammer world. They kind of disappeared before written history in the old world. Uh, the world that was. And so that we don't really know anything about them at all, but apparently they had a plan. I don't know how that plan can still be in effect after like they all disappeared and then the world they were working on blew up. But there's still a plan, we swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, so yep. the lizard the man no. plan are doing a slan are incredible uh, demigod-like <laughs> beings of power that can like see the future in the past and stuff and so they are interpreting what what is left of this plan and so the lizardmen may be taking strange or unintelligible actions in order to fulfill this plan so i mean you can justify anything uh, right, as as, right. uh yeah it's like oh this, you know they need to i don't know we cut down all the trees in this forest because one day there will be a forest fire that will you know upset the planet or something right right exactly far-ranging futures all right. So, so based on that, you know, are there any is there any lore or stories, books that you've read or can share that you think people might want to read to get a better feel for how this warband or the or this race, the Seraphon, work? Um, the short <laughs> answer is no. I'm not. I'm not an expert on uh, Mortal Realms fiction, by the way. So, there, I could be wrong. And please, uh, you know, write into us, uh, dogs of warcry at gmail.com and. Yeah, I don't know, Josh. Are they Battle Tome? I think uh, Seraphon Battle Tome is probably the best place to get lore and more information about Seraphon. But do you have any books? Yeah, so I think Battle Tome is probably the best place, as you said. Of the books that I've read, the only time I've come across any Seraphon was in the Callus Atoll, the Silver Shard, where they do make an appearance to fight chaos. You know, so and and it's a really fun way that they do it. Um, I won't say anything because it kind of spoils things. But I'm not aware of any other books where the Seraphon have taken a, a lead role or anything else. So definitely interested to see if we get any more of that as they roll out the Underworld's Warband and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely a lot of like short stories or where they just show up and do stuff. Right. But I can't think of anything where they're like the focus or the antagonist or even the primary antagonist. They're just kind of like also there doing stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And then maybe there are some books from the world that was, but I, I don't know of any myself. Yeah. So definitely we'll have to ask Aaron and see if he's familiar with any of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's move so. on. In terms of the uh, the warband abilities, you know uh, how do you know how do their abilities work? What abilities reflect their character, their flavor? Uh, share some of our favorites with us. All right, yeah, um, I'm just gonna uh, talk about a couple here. The Seraphon, they do have some good ones that are that are useful, and I think that are thematic. So the first one I'm gonna talk about is uh, Nimble Retreat. It's a double. It's skinks only, and it's free disengage action. Super useful. Free action for a double, I'll take it. Especially, yep. you know, miniatures as vulnerable as skinks. They, I think they all have six wounds, toughness two or three. So very soft. Uh, you know, any, you know, a goblin can you know, beat them up. 
So it's nice to get that free retreat move. The other one I want to talk about is a triple, which is Tearing Bite, which is on every Saurus. And this move, you add the ability value to the damage points allocated by each hit or critical hit for the next attack action. So this is a very strong uh, mm-hmm. triple four. You're adding four damage to each hit and critical. So it can be very strong. I don't yep. think it's broken because Lizardmen tend to have lower strength and lower attacks, at least Saurus do. But it's certainly very strong, a good way to turn kind of an okay fighter into something that can really take something off the board. Very swingy, though, you got to hit. Each hit becomes very important. Yeah, yeah. Um, very effective. But definitely though. like to use it on the on the temple guard who can, um, you know, with their three attacks, you can really you know put out damage easily. Yeah, yeah, no, they're very effective. I can I can attest to that. <laughs> no, I think you're right, because a lot of Saurus are strength three, so that extra damage helps boost their ability quite a bit, and especially if you mix of the Temple Guard and the Saurus and the Saurus Knight, so you've got lots of models who can take advantage of that triple, which is a smart way to play it. So speaking of that, uh, what leaders do you have in this warband for potential? Leaders, you got a lot of options. You have the Saurus Guard Alpha, who I use, Mukhtar. He's got a great, pretty good, great stat line. You have the Saurus Warrior Alpha, cheaper one, uh, still okay. You have the Gink Alpha, which is, you know, he's he's doing his best. And then you have a couple, these, these miniatures I don't have as well, but you have the Ripper Dactyl and Ter- Tyranodon Riders and the Alphas from those units, so those unit champions. And so those guys are fast and pretty tough and got some good damage on them Really, a lot of Skink and Saurus options, mounted, unmounted. I think I didn't man- ma- mention the Saurus Knight Alpha, so you can right. have you know the Riders. You got a lot of different fighter options, and you have a lot of different leader options. Yeah. So, how many fighter options do you have? And give us an example of what some of those are. Oh, sure. Uh, you got 17 cards, including the leaders. And so, really, what you got uh, four boxes, four different miniature boxes. You have the Saurus Warriors, which are your basic Saurus troops with hand weapons and spears. You can have mm-hmm. a champion from there. You have the Saurus Guard, who we've already talked about a lot. You have the Saurus Knights, which are the cavalry. Uh, they ride the cold ones. You have, then you have the skinks. So you have the skink on foot with different weapon options, uh, blowpipes being my fave. Then you have the skinks that are riding the flying dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, so those definitely. Guys are, they, they got, they're fast and they, they're, they're kind of like one of those fast uh, damage unit, but they don't quite have the same damage output that squig hoppers or zanger or in like. Very nice. So based on those, the choices, you know, you've got a good mix in your warband. So can you tell us a little bit about the strengths and weaknesses that you've noticed as you've been playing them? I would love to. So I think the strengths are is that you got a nice mix of things. You have some really tough things and you have some like fast, cheap things. And fast and cheap is kind of one of the niches in Warcry for that objective grabbing, that zone jumping. There's a lot of scenarios that just bodies are useful. So the skinks are... 60 points at the minimum and they have movement six but they're you know they're not very tough but you can give them blowpipes get them up to 65 points and then they have two attacks range 12 that do one four so a lot of blowpipes you roll in a lot of dice you you start fishing for those crits and you can do some damage yeah Um, those skinks are very they're fast and they're cheap and they can do a lot of good ping damage you know you'll take some fighters out that you weren't expecting this saurus guard especially can take stuff off the table the rest of the stars options, including the knight, are mostly tough. You know, they have like a pretty high toughness, a lot of wounds, but they they're damaged. They don't have a lot of attacks and they don't have high damage. So they're mostly like getting in there and then like tanking it. And then without help, they're not really removing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say if I was going to. So those are the strengths. If I was going to go into weaknesses, I would say 
Their damage output isn't that great, or it can be kind of dicey with the skinks, except for like your leader models or kind of the Saurus guard specifically can still do some damage. But I, I mean, I'll tell you what, going from the gets, everything does, <laughs> nothing feels as good. Like, <laughs> and like nothing's as like hard hitting as like just a squig, man. Yeah, uh, squigs so. are beefy. <laughs> strength five, that's pretty potent. <laughs> yeah, strength five, four attacks just on a squig, man. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like beat up. Take the take Saurus lunch money. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about how you use these models on the battlefield. Is there anything else you wanted to add in terms of which which models you like to use and how you use them effectively? Yeah. So what what I've learned is that skinks are good. They're fast. They're objective grabbers. They do that good ping damage. They can hit back not too bad. They're okay. The things they don't do is jam, and which is what one of the things I tried to do uh, against your warband because you have such good ranged attacks. It's like jam a skink up in there; they're just gonna get their butts kicked. Like they're, they're, the set four, <laughs> right, sorry, six wounds at toughness two. Like oh, you know, no. you know, your acolytes are just knifing them. So that's not what, that's definitely not what they're good at. Saurus knight aren't gonna delete things like a squig hopper or other really strong cavalry are. But they do have like, I don't know, 25 or 30 wounds. I don't know. I'll check the card here. And so they're really good at just jamming up there. Just they're fast. They still got that six movement and they just get in your face and you just got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, they got that big base. And I, I think I was able to help the purge scenario just by blocking off yeah. like an area of the map. Definitely. Um, and then I think the guard are your hammer. They're slow, but they got that two inch reach, which helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and they have that that two four damage, which is good. And then I haven't used the the any of the flying models, although I have played against them, and they're pretty good. They're like kind of your fast hammer that you have to be a little careful with, where they can they can roll some dice and do some damage, and they got that movement to get there. Uh, but yeah. you, you know you do pay for it. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with your assessments. And uh, the skinks were great. Just the sheer number of blowpipe attacks you can make, you know, taking models down, chipping them, and then your other models come in to finish them off. Really effective. And then keeping the guard, you know, the Saurus guard to come in later and tag things from two inches worked out really well for you, especially in the, in the second game. I yeah, definitely agree with that. So in your particular warband, uh, you shared a little bit, but why don't you tell us more about what your personal take is on the Seraphon and the A-Points? So, yeah, I talked about um, they are kind of just stuck in the eight points, stranded there. They've devolved a bit. They're just kind of in an instinctual predatory warband just trying to, like, rage against demons in hell, which is very, you know, it's what is the word? It's what word am I looking for? It's uh, what do you do when it when it when it's hopeless? It's very uh, <laughs> yeah, pirate is a pirate victory sort of thing. Yeah, I feel, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the task that, you know, they don't, they, you know, they're not going to make any difference. Right. <laughs> Thankless. <laughs> yeah, surely thankless. So yeah, that's like why they're there and what they're doing. What I was hoping to accomplish modeling wise is to model the corruption seeping into them. Like they are becoming part of the eight points and no better than the chaos that live there because they're just so like violent and destructive and they're going to take on like aspects of the different demons of the gods. I don't like, and I've done that a little bit with color, but I don't think I really nailed what I was going for artistically. I think I should probably start kit bashing them more with like demons, like giving them like plague swords and whatever the blood leather two handed swords and using that to convert them more. But I don't have those bits. Right. But maybe that that would be a direction I would take it in the future. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's a really cool theme. I love the idea, the background of that warband. And and kind of, you know, leading from that, what are the other narrative takes in in modeling opportunities besides adding chaos bits? You know, what other warband ideas do you think people could take up? 
I my best idea I have in the notes is techno dinos from Shaman. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is the realm of uh, metal, and you can really lean into the futuristic technology that the Lizardmen have because they do have temple spaceships. Like they yeah. are the spaceship laser faction. That hasn't been explored as much in the range, but it would be really fun to explore that more in your hobby. Yeah. Um, so you can talk to you, these these uh, lizardmen are specifically from the realm of metal, so they have a more technological bent to them. And so, like giving them you know golden bionic eyes or like stone uh, prosthetics, I think could be very cool. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I've been playing uh, Ark Survival Evolved, which is you know it's, takes place kind of, but you have these tech dinosaurs or this mix of technology and dinosaurs. And so yeah, this this particular idea was like, oh, this would be awesome! I totally could see how this would work. <laughs> and um, uh, well, and then, well, thank you, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the only other idea here is I think you have a note in here which is like themes based on the coalesced being. You say coalesced or starborn here. Yeah, uh, and the coalesced are the one are the lizardmen that are more animalistic. And more like meat and like a real uh, meat and bone kind of thing. And the Starborn are like the magic ones. And right. I was thinking for my Starborn, it would be kind of these angels of light and of star that are like purifying as they go. So they would have some interaction with a corrupted basing scheme they would have where they're like where they are stepping. It is being being purified. purged. Yeah. And like almost sterilized uh, by this kind of bright light. Nice. But that's, yeah. uh, that's a little bit more loose. But tell me more about what themes you could do with uh, Coalesce and Starborn. Yeah, well, I, I think the Battle Tome, the, they talk about Coalesce in, in each of the different realms and, and how they act and how they work. And, you know, and I, I think that's, you know, you could also definitely do warbands based on realms, you know, like a lot of the Chaos warbands are. And you could paint them or model them based on the Realm of Fire, Realm of Shadow, and other things like that. And the Coalesce from that particular region and how it shapes them. And their particular goals and objectives. So you know that's always a, a fun possibility, and, and it can introduce some unique modeling opportunities. You know, so this is a you know, the Seraphon War Band. You know, in terms of the allies and monsters, which allies do you think you might use, or can you use, and, and if the monsters that you'd be interested in using? So I'll be honest, I don't love the allies and monsters options for Seraphon. None of yeah. them quite gel, especially with my kind of conception of them. There might be a, and I don't love doing like representative models, but there might be a, a point where I use a Skink Priest as a Eidnathai caster. So it has like that magic attack and just sure. include a Skink Priest in my in my army. But right now we only have access to the Order, Allies, and Monsters. So that is Stormcast Heroes, uh, Stormcast Eidneth and Daughters of Cain Heroes, mm-hmm. and the Hydrant Cryptus for a monster. I think you make the Hydra work because it is a scaly beast. But I'd really just like rules for like let me get a stegodon in there. Let me get yeah. a uh, let me get a riderless carnosaur. There's already a lot of cool monsters and like let's let's get them in there. Maybe a good argument for using those just using a stegodon as a hide. Yeah, no, and I, I definitely think this year we'll probably get another monsters and mercenaries or you know champions book updating our allies and monster options for all the new warbands that have come out so far this year. I mean, they would be silly yeah. not to. So yeah, hopefully we, gotta, we'll get that. we got to get a Tome of Champions 2020. Exactly. We only have a few months left. <laughs> so whether we get it at the end of the year or the next year, but you know, there, there definitely has to be one on the way. I can't imagine why there wouldn't be. Yeah, they Looking always number them by the year they're in. Yes, I so, agree. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping November, December, probably December. That's when the last one kind of came out. So Yeah, I really yeah. slipped in there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And that kind of covers our deep dive for those particular war bands and how we're playing them, what we think about them. But please, you know, share with us, you know, your thoughts and ideas on, on these war bands and how you play them. We'd love to hear about that. At this point in the podcast, we're going to move into listener questions. And we've got quite a few this particular episode. Please hop on to our Discord at themortalrealms.com forward slash discord and at that point you could submit questions and we'd be happy to you know share our thoughts and ideas on what you have to say our first question is from thundercake he had a, a thematic question is if you were going to be one war cry warband model as a halloween costume what would it be and why and i'm going to throw that to you first paven i'm glad we're starting off with like the hardest question <laughs> oh man i don't know what kind of ridiculous <laughs> show are we running here I would say Corvus Cabal because I think the old Plague Doctor costume is a really cool Halloween costume. Yeah, yeah, very thematic for the current times as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, great. <laughs> right? Twofer. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, maybe I would go Untamed Beasts, maybe, you know, some furs and, you know, I can make some stone weapons or something like that. It would be kind of fun and, you know, kind of grunt and move around quite a bit. Uh, although I think I'd need to work out a bit more before I start, you know, bearing too much flesh. But, <laughs> but it would be a fun costume to do, I think. Maybe a horned helmet and everything else. Yeah. So, be cool. You get one of those muscle suits. Yeah, there you go. That would be even funnier. Keep you warm, too. So, Savir Valan, uh, his question or is, how do you want to see the Sons of Behemoth in Warcry? What do you think? Well, what I predict is that we're going to get a white dwarf with rules in them. I would like to see a challenge battle with the Son of Behemoth. I don't think I would ever want to see it in a warband, because I think it would be too destabilizing, way too big, but I'd love to see a, a, either a single-player or multiplayer challenge battle, where you're taking on like a big Kraken Eater. I think that'd be really cool. I also, what, how I want to see them, is I want to make sure that they are super scary and hard to beat. I want them to be on the Gotrek side of rules, rather than the mon- regular monster side of rules, where the regular monsters feel pretty very killable and not as scary mm-hmm. but while well, gotrek just feels <laughs> invincible who i actually haven't <laughs> played against but his rules are, are very intimidating yeah uh, so that that's kind of how i would like to see it what are, what are your thoughts josh yeah no i agree with that and i think really be cool to see one of those mega gargants as a is a multiplayer challenge battle i think that would be a lot of fun i think as a potential monsters right now we just have the chaos giant and there's no reason why we shouldn't have a giant option for the other factions you know death to order and destruction especially if you can take them as mercenaries and aos it'd be really cool to see what thematic giants we could get you know across warbands and have those as a monster option for all of the warbands it'd be really cool all right, our next question is from Dark Alec, and he asks, would you prefer Season 2 of you know, of Warcry to go Order Armies in general, Cities of Sigmar expanding specifically, or something else? What do you think? I would prefer everything to be on the table. I would prefer to get a little bit of, of different flavors, different corners of the world realms. I would definitely not like to see six warbands, all of different cities of Sigmar. I think there'd be a little bit too much overlap there, and I'd love the, the love to be spread around. I think it would be cool. I wouldn't complain too much. Like I think like all of those warbands would be dope, and I'd love to see new sculpts. But I'd rather mm-hmm. them pick out little points of light within the mortal realms from every faction. Like, what does this little piece of death look like? What does this little kind of specific, like, destruction insectoid race look like? Mm -hmm. Um, I'd rather it be wide open. Yeah, and I agree with you completely. You know, and and I keep thinking about, in terms of, like, as we talked about last episode, 
there are potentially six more City of Sigmar forces that they could put together just based on what we know right now. But, you know, what are they going to include for death? What are they going to include for destruction? Uh, in particular, you know, death, you know, we've got maybe Soul Blight, but for destruction, we've kind of used all the factions. So we really need to get into this more unique, you know, cultures that are throughout the realms to introduce some more death factions. Or, or maybe you go like Karnathi, and you introduce those from Underworlds and make them a destruction force, you know, something like that. I think kind of putting things, spinning things a little bit on its head to add unique warbands and different sections that we haven't seen before. I think I, I would prefer that in general. But I also like the idea of adding some of those Cities of Sigmar warbands along the way so that people can continue to add and expand their collections. Our next question is from Frothy Cats. His question is, is an interesting one. It says, if Catacombs bombs and changes nothing substantial about the game, what rules or meta strategies would you like to see addressed? And do you have any ideas on how you'd like to see it implemented? You know, this is a very open book question. So Paven, do you have any ideas at this moment? Well, first, I would like to—I would object to the framing of the question. <laughs> I well, I I don't think catacombs will like substantially change like how the game works mechanically, and I don't really want it to. I don't. I feel like it's a really fun and fast system, and I like that about it. I like mm-hmm. you can play a game in like if, it, if it's quick, twenty minutes. Yeah, uh, and so or like if it's long, forty minutes, like that. That I, that I like great. So, so that's my <laughs> first point. My next point is like things that. I would like to see change, and I think Josh, this is your. your I'm going to scoop uh-huh. your your point here. Is that strength and toughness don't feel meaningful enough in a lot of situations? Like you know, having going between a three or more and a five or more, and but so much of damage being weighted in the crit anyway that is unaffected by the strength through toughness calculation. That doesn't feel right. Maybe there's something they can play with there that makes it you know something's a little bit more tough. But I wouldn't want the game to slow down. And the other thing I would bring up is I think monsters aren't monstrous enough. And so I'd like them to feel stronger, like give them a little bit more, change kind of how they work to feel more dangerous. But yeah. honestly, I haven't played with monsters in a one-on-one game before. So may- maybe they feel fine. I just know playing them in the challenge battles, you feel like it's very weak and it's not very challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except the parent, except, the except for the zombie dragon one, which is really impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he's pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely depends on dice and, and the monsters and situations. But I, I think adding some rules to make them more challenging definitely would be a, a fun way to go. I think, you know, since uh, Paven mentioned the strength and toughness balancing, uh, the other idea I had would it'd be fun to implement some rules for pushing models, you know, especially since they're introducing lava at other dangerous terrain, potentially. It would be really neat to have a mechanic for maybe, and this is where maybe strength and toughness come into play, is having high toughness makes you more resistant to being pushed. This would be a great place to, to make that useful. You know, like, okay, I'm going to push you into this lava pit, but you've got a higher toughness. Maybe you can't do it very effectively. Pushing models, you know, off of high platforms or into dangerous terrain would be a lot of fun. And I know it's been mentioned on our Discord, people talking about different ways to implement that. It'd be kind of neat to see that added to catacombs or potentially just outside of that and play tested. Yeah, I would yeah, I would like to see it more dangerous. and I think this is something we've housed through before, but it'd be more dangerous to fall from a great height. Yeah, I want to see somebody like, you know, fall and then bang on every pipe on the way down, you know, and you know, kind of have one of those those moments, which I think are uh, something I've heard is very uh, is more common in like Necromunda and that yep. kind of game having a certain feel. 
All right. So our next question is from Neil. And the question is, with in-person games being off the table, pun intended, or severely limited for the foreseeable future, how are you keeping your enthusiasm for Warcry and miniature gaming going? What kind of gaming experiences are you having? And what are your short-term gaming goals? Well, I think we just talked about our gaming experience throughout this podcast. (laughs) But uh, Josh, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to take this time to be a little bit philosophical about this because the way I've looked at it more recently is we're probably going to be in this kind of zone of pandemic risk for a while, for a long time. And so I think if there's something you really, really want to do, I think you should spend forth the effort to try to figure out how to do it in a safe and sustainable way. So playing, you know, for the first seven months of quarantine or however long it's been, I didn't play any Warhammer, but and I was just kind of waiting for it to be over, but it's not going to be over anytime soon, folks. And and so I, I spent a lot of time working hard on thinking ways I could feel safe and comfortable and responsible like playing Warhammer. So that's kind of like the situations that me and Josh has put together where we're like out outdoors, everybody's wearing masks, we're disinfecting, we're trying to stay separate when we can, I think, uh, you know, not playing when we're sick. And I think one-on-one, I think the risk is relatively lower. Now, everybody's in their own situation, maybe that's not an option. But I think there's a lot of things you can do to be make sure things are as safe as you possibly can make them and and then trying to figure out like, if it fits in, like, I, I guess my call is to try to be creative and like, do the work necessary to do the things you really care about. Because otherwise, it's going to be you know, we're in Wisconsin here. It's going to be a long winter. Yeah, yeah um, definitely true. I agree with you 100%. In terms of yeah. keeping your enthusiasm going, it, it is difficult. And, you know, when, when we're having a shortage of new releases with Games Workshop in particular, it's hard to stay motivated sometimes and saying, well, yeah, I would love to paint these models, but, you know, when am I going to get to use them? You know, so it can be very difficult. And I've I had my ups and downs sometimes where I'm more motivated than others. And I just kind of focus on, oh, this new stuff's coming out. I want to get these models ready and prepare for that. Or, or Warhammer 40K came out. Oh, great. It's a great time to shift over and work on my 40K stuff. And, and or I also play other games. And sometimes those have model releases and move my enthusiasm can move around from a variety of different areas. And so that helped kind of keep it going. And, and, and hobby time for me is a great way to de-stress from the workday and, you know, all the anxiety around and, and be creative and share with other people. I think really kind of focusing on that, you know, in terms of getting that feedback and sharing ideas and, and then receiving ideas helps keep your enthusiasm going. And the more that you do that, the easier it is to kind of keep that motivation going and everything else. And that's one thing I'm, I'm hoping to do more of as well, to keep my motivation and enthusiasm going. With Warcry, it's getting easier because we've got a new box set coming out, got models, we've got lots of things coming. So my enthusiasm is, you know, going through the roof right now, which is perfect. But, but yeah, I, th- I definitely think interacting with the community is going to be a great way to kind of build that enthusiasm again, keep it going, and then being creative and finding ways to play either online, via webcam, or socially distanced, being safe, but having a great time. We got to do what we can in these these strange times that we're living through. Yeah. Another (laughs) thing you can do to get motivated about your hobby, start a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Excited. I like it. (laughs) Our our last question for this episode is from Travis, K7 Kicker. What new Ravaged Lands terrain boxes would you like to see for Warcry in the next year? And we had a lot of great input from our listeners, but I'll, I'll let Paven chime in first. This is a great question. I love uh, speculation spectaculars. I'm currently on the GW website, scrolling through all the terrain. I'm like, what do I want repackaged? 
And uh, well, the thing that's not on here, that's my first idea was, and I forget if this is the right thing, but what is the, the Chaos Doom Fort? Oh, yeah, the Dread Fort. Dread Fort. Dread, yeah, Dread, I would love Dread to see Fort, the but... Dread Fort repackage because it's got some good height. It's got a great Chaos aesthetic. Got a, like a, a lot of different pieces from that old kit. Although I heard it had some complaints about assembling it might have been a little tough, but I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's a great fit for Warcry. And if you can combine it with other things that you platforms to get up there and stuff. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And I think we did use it as part of that event we ran when we ran. Mm-hmm. By we, we ran, I mean you and Eric ran and I participated <laughs> in. Um, yes. That event you guys ran, um, Shaking Pillars, what were they called? Plunging Spires. Yes. Uh, Plunging Spires. Yeah, it looked great. Yeah, no, they're definitely chaos themed. It would fit perfectly in the eight points. Some of the other, you know, ideas that you know from uh, participants in the Discord, which are all great ideas. Some mushroom infested gloom spike caves, long forgotten storm vaults, and sepulchral depths of the Shaishan mausoleum. You know, since we're talking about catacombs and dungeon-like areas, having some more underground terrain. Somebody also said something like temple-like walls and hallways, much like the Necromunda in Mortis terrain, where you've got the walls and you know different levels that you can build. Having something like that for Warcry would be a lot. Lot of fun hopefully you know depending on what the rule sets like for catacombs we can kind of build some of those things and build them in even if we don't get ravaged land sets but it would be really neat to see what games workshop introduces for that setting in particular you know maybe it's lava caves or something else but yeah should be really yeah. cool yeah oh i'll take any new new scenery designed right. for Warcry that like you know that's easier to play on without too much a modification because uh, yeah. sometimes the age of sigmar stuff works better for age of sigmar than it does for Warcry. yeah although well, uh, you know some of that underworld's beast grave terrain i think would work really well for some kind of lava you know, ashy you know themed terrain because it's kind of you know hexagonal pillars and other sorts of stuff too it fit right in I agree. And just looking through the GW web store, I think like real winners for Warcry that's on here that is not even included. I think the Realm Shaper engine, that kind of stepped pyramid would be cool to use. You know, a box that with something else, maybe two of them, maybe uh, that plus some cool platforms that we don't know about would be really good. I think uh, the, the Realm Gates, some sort of Realm Gate repackage with other things in there, I think would also be cool. I think the Realm Gates are a very iconic Age of Sigmar piece of terrain. And so that'd be cool to include in Warcry as well. And I think those are the kits that jump out to me the most. I like the the Nurgle trees, but I don't want to like, you know, have six of those in a box. That's too right. many. Right, right. And they're the same. They're the same. Like, I don't know if, how many uh, builds there are of it. Um, yeah, just a, just a one, I think. Well, thank you again for all your, your questions. And we hope the listeners there, guys, if you have your own answers and, and thoughts on those, please shoot them to our Dogs of Warcry at the Twitter, Dogs of Warcry at gmail.com, or jump onto our Discord at themortalrealms.com forward slash Discord. We'd love to hear about them. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good, good dog, support the show with a positive review on iTunes sharing it with friends, joining us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com forward slash discord, or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com forward slash Patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.